Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com. You're listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? Hope it's well. Where we sit right now, the Orioles are tied in the bottom of the ninth, four to four, against the Chicago White Sox. We're we're this we're this a live show. It would be great that you you were listening to this right now because we'd be entertaining you during the rain delay. But now but, it's it's pretty much irrelevant. But is that really such a difference? Right, that's true. You from could, anything that has preceded it. You could stop this podcast right now, pause it, and then just come back to it next time there's a rain delay. You could also never listen to this show again, and some would say your life would not be worse. <laughs> they but would be wrong. I would argue that that's because you haven't yet heard episode 99 of Baltimoreans, the show that, like former Oriole pitching prospect Ben McDonald, appreciates a good, deep-cut Linda Ronstadt reference. Fastball at 96. Yeah, that was just like the old Linda Ronstadt song right there, just blew by you. Oh, yeah. We've got a fantastic show on tap for you tonight, folks. In just a little while, we're going to bring you the latest installment of our wildly popular seventh-inning sketch segment. Tonight, we'll actually be cutting to a live radio feed from our friends at WALT, who, as you know, broadcast the play-by-play for the Afton Oracles of the Independent Eastern Southwest League. The Oracles have been locked in a very competitive series with the Modesto Moon Pirates, so we'll bring you some of the action from tonight's rubber match between those two squads. Of course, no episode of Baltimoreans would be complete without our most popular recurring segment, the Travis Ishikawa Franchise Report. As alert Orioles fans have long been aware, Travis is among the few ballplayers whose first name ends in IS and last name starts with IS clearly identifying him as a known disciple of the sacred coven of Isis, the Egyptian goddess of nature and magic. If anyone sees Travis Ishikawa, please alert the local authorities so that he can be brought in for questioning in connection with the disappearance of several domestic pets in the Fresno metropolitan area, where, coincidentally, Ishikawa recently played his 897th minor league baseball game. Magic, folks, has been in short supply in Baltimore of late. Chris Davis's recent walk-off home run against the White Sox aside, the 2014 season continues to be a source of frustration and inertia for the Orioles, who were recently mentioned by no less than John Paul Morosi as favorites to win the AL East if only they can get everyone in the lineup on the same page. In fact, the only combination of Orioles and Magic on recent display that I can think of is the theme song for the Orioles' spastics, which is, of course... Just one of our many fine Sister Wife podcasts on the Baltimore Sports Report Network, of which we're a proud member. In light of this dearth of baseball wizardry, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be forced to settle, here on episode 99, for the verbal sorcery of my esteemed co-host Alan Smith, who is here, per usual, to make this program seem far more relevant to your life than it actually is. You and I in a little toy show. Set them free at the break of dawn To one by one they were gone Back at base, box in the software Flash the message Something's out there Floating in the summer sky Ninety-nine red balloons go by 
what can we say about 99 that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan? It's the number of red balloons. It's the faces of Allah. It's the people in this country who aren't a part of the 1%. It's the number of bottles of beer you start with at the beginning of a long family car trip. It's the number of people that Jim Leland currently is keeping in his sex dungeon. You know what all those things have in common? Each and every one of them has a copyright on it in some way. That's right, a Dave Chappelle joke, a song, the faces of God, an Occupy Wall Street slogan, and a children's rhyme all have trademarks on them. And while Jim Leland does not technically have a patent on his sex dungeon, you better believe that he would if it were a real thing. So Baltimoreans, here on episode 99, we have ever more evidence that we live in a devastatingly litigious society. Obviously not on this particular program, as any accounts and descriptions you hear on this broadcast are entirely designed for you to pass on to others, especially via an iTunes review. But in the wider world, every perceived slight or injury comes with a significant threat of litigation. So what I want to know is, who the hell can I sue? I've only been able to watch two sporting events since we last spoke, Baltimoreans. Just two. One, the Yankees game on Friday, where Carlos Beltran mercilessly walked off the Orioles in the bottom of the ninth. And the other, the worst gut punch tie that anyone has ever imagined in the now infamous USA-Portugal game on Sunday evening. So I repeat again, who is responsible for this? Under current law, we can and probably will be sued by the band Nena for what you are hearing right now. We could be sued for talking about sports if we use the word Orioles too much. And yet, when I spend an entire weekend laid devastatingly low by an aggressive and personal assault against my good person by the sporting world, when sports literally kicks me in the teeth so hard that I come up spitting enamel and blood, where can I turn? Well, here's the good news, morons. The context of episode 99 is the exact same context as the last 98 other episodes and that is this sports is stupid but when it gets really bad we can retreat together to this little sanctity here at Hootenanny Studios and hunker down and get stupid Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Travis Ishikawa Franchise Report, where each week we take the three most relevant news items from Birdland and beyond and assign them an objective quality score. Item number one on this week's Franchise Report, Alan Smith, I am going to quote the season statistics of a major league pitcher to you, and I would like you to tell me who you think is the pitcher that I'm referring to. Are you ready? Yes, sir. This pitcher has an earned run average of 1.77. Whoa. A whip of 1.09. Okay. And is striking out uh, 9.9 batters a game against just 2.7 walks per game. And that is over the course of nine starts. So a fairly uh, significant track record. Uh, this person has given up only two home runs only on the two year. Two home runs. All right. Who is this pitcher? Well, it's got to be either. Clayton Kershaw, or the recently injured Marlins fireballer, right? What if I was to tell you, Alan Smith, 
that it's Jake Arietta. I just I would have a tough time believing you. What Sam. if I was to tell you, Smith, that on this very night, as we roll tape, Jake Arietta is perfect through six innings against the Reds on just seventy seven pitches, having struck out eight. I'm gonna give this the rating of watching as the girl who you asked to prom <laughs> instead goes to prom with the uh, second most popular guy in your class. Uh, it's painful. And here's the thing. With this particular girl, you know she's not, she's not worth it. You've gone down the road. You asked her out. And, and you've seen the dark underside of her personality. Sure. You know that in the long run, she's not right for you, and it's not going to be good. But when you see it happen, and you see it happen in this public place, the twinge is still there in your heart. And I don't understand why it is that people leave the Orioles and they go on to such great things. I mean, maybe it's because they're going to the National League, and there are a bunch of other reasons that you can see someone like Arietta finally, who was clearly a talented dude, finally started to put it all together. But the fact is, he's still facing Joey Votto, and he's still facing Todd Frazier, and he's still facing Devin Morasco. He's facing some competent major league hitters, and he seems to have suddenly figured out how to pitch. How how many more times do we have to do this, Sam? <laughs> when Mattis leaves after this year, because we can't continue to pay him so many millions of dollars to be a left-handed specialist and he goes to the Padres and throws to a 2-3 earned run average and is vote-getter in Cy Young next year, we're going to have to have this conversation again. And I'm just tired of it. Can we I'm skip tired it? of this can conversation. We just, can we skip it when the time comes? I'd we like could, to skip it. We could agree to just not go down this road at all. I mean, uh, you know, other other people that I would, uh, I would add into this frothy mix of sadness are Jason Hamill. Jason Hamill. Alfredo Simone. Oh, excuse me. Noted murderer. <laughs> Alfredo Simone. I'm going to give this one Dyson Airblade. Are you familiar with the Dyson Airblade? I'm not familiar with the Dyson Airblade. I think you actually are. You just don't know you are. Okay. okay. Imagine I'm going to uh, paint a mental image for you. Radio is, of course, theater of the mind. So so shut your eyes, Baltimoreans listeners, and, and dream with me. You're in a public restroom. You go up to the sink, you wash your hands with soap, please. I can't tell you how disgusting it is when people leave the restroom having clearly not washed their hands with soap. Looking at you, certain coworkers I won't name. <laughs> you finish washing your hands, you go over, you opt not to use the environment befouling paper towels, but instead there is a contraption attached to the wall that kind of looks like uh, two sine curves stacked on top of each other in plastic. Right. There's there's an oval shape. Uh, you're supposed to tilt your hands vertical and flat facing your body and dip them slowly in and out of this plastic space. When you do that, air starts to blow. Sure, And sure. in theory, it dries your hands in under 30 seconds. Sure. Now, what happens when you stick your hands in there? And you know this, Smith. Water blows up on your face. Fact. And it's and it's frustrating because you think to yourself, I washed my hands. 
So the fact that this water is blowing up on my face is okay, but what about the person before me who just rinsed their hands, maybe still had some 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 pee on them, I'll just go ahead and say it, put their hands in the <laughs> Dyson Airblade, and now the water that's blowing up on my face isn't just the clean water that was coming off my hands, but maybe uh, itself befouled with the leavings of my predecessor here at this technological device. To me, the, the Jake Arrieta's success uh, is a Dyson Airblade. Right. What, what I need to learn in life is that the Dyson Airblade is a necessity. It's a more efficient way for people to dry their hands. I need to get over my weird bathroom hypochondria that I have had since I was seven. <laughs> and I am, I am 32. <laughs> Fact. I need to get over that. That's something I need to work on because it's better for the environment uh, for us to all be using Dyson Airblades than using paper towels, um, even if they're recycled paper towels. It generates a tremendous amount of waste. So in that analogy, it's better for the Cubs to be using Jake Arrieta well, it, it, it for it environmental may, reasons? It, it may seem like we're getting a little bit of public restroom water on our faces ah. as Jake Arrieta dominates the Cincinnati Reds and everybody else in the National League Central this season. But it was still the right thing to trade Jake Arrieta away. He was not pitching like this when he pitched for us. And no. I would just like us to cast our memories back. I have the statistics right here. I pulled them up. I'm looking at them. 2010, 18 starts, ERA of 4.66. 2011, 22 starts, ERA of 5.05. 2012, 18 more starts, ERA of 6.2. That is, and I have the grand total here, 63 starts in an Oriole uniform. and North of five? North of five. And I don't know if you can really give a pitching prospect a 64th start <laughs> when that's the track record. I think at a certain point, you have to decide you're going you're gonna to cut bait. And that's what we did. Yep. And it the fact that he's pitching well in the National League Central doesn't mean that he would be pitching well if he's pitching for us. And the reason I brought up Jason Hamill before, and that I would also like to bring up somebody like Matt Garza, mm. is that I think what we have really learned from the fact that these guys go to the Cubs, pitch well, Samarja is another one, these guys go to the Cubs, pitch well, and then are exported elsewhere, I don't think that's a testament necessarily to these pitchers being amazing, although they clearly have some level of baseline talent. I think... What we really want to trade for is the Cubs pitching coach, <laughs> because it that is the guy who is who is the constant here. Well, I mean that's and and that's what I think is is the important part of all this, which is to say, at some point, it's not that I think we should have given Jake Arrieta the sixty four start or paid Jason Hamill more after that particularly bad two thousand thirteen campaign. It's that I think that a lot of guys who have some latent talent somewhere in their body are passing through the Orioles organization and what they're doing is passing through. And at some point, we're going to have to figure out how to wring those little bits of talent out of people as they go through instead of being a stopping ground on the way to somewhere else. Diagnosably talented people have not gotten better while they're here and that seems to be a concern to me it's true it's true i also though i want us to as we as we foam at the mouth about jake arietta not ignore what's going on 
on the Orioles pitchers mounds this year because it has now been almost a month of consistent quality starts. That is true. From the Orioles starting rotation. And then you look at Gosman, who has now rattled off three straight quality starts. That's true. Against three very good teams and appears to be a guy who we have, it would seem, brought along in an appropriate way. So I, I don't want to discount the fact that historically we've been very bad at it, but I do want us to recognize that instead of fixating on the fact that Jake Arietta seems to have this annoying habit of putting up these really dominant performances on nights when the Orioles lose frustrating games, <laughs> the general trend in pitching in Baltimore is actually better than it's been since even, you know, during the Showalter era. I think I think it's a good point. Item number two on this week's franchise report in a tribute to uh, item number two on last week's franchise report, goal, Portugal. <laughs> Sam, you watched your first uh, complete U.S. men's national team soccer match on Sunday. What were your thoughts? Well, it was one of the most heartbreaking experiences that I've ever had. So this weekend, I went to a wedding, and it was a very fun wedding, but most of the people there were very close friends of my girlfriend Jennifer and are people who I don't know as well. And I get insecure in situations like that. I worry that everybody's like, who's this weird guy who's Jennifer's dating? I wish he wasn't here. (laughs) Tonight is Sam Dingman insecurity hour, uh, for those of you who were curious. Um, And so I knew that part of the plan of this wedding was that we were going to watch the soccer game on Sunday. And I thought that's going to be great because I am somebody who, if I can just wax my own car here for a second, I'm a fun guy to watch a sporting event with. True. I'll 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 get I'll get some good conversation going. Preach. I think I pick up some pick up on the narratives of the game pretty quickly. Um, if you need a beer from the fridge, I will happily go and get that for you. <laughs> um, I'll I'll probably bring a lot of beer because I like beer. So sure. instantly, you know, I think we have a connection. Um, so I thought watching this game was going to be a really good opportunity. Plus, I've been studying everything you've said about the World Cup very closely. So I was able to make remarks, the content of which I didn't understand. Uh, but I knew would land. Um, so, uh, so I going into this event thought this was going to be an opportunity was high. for me to really connect with these these folks at the wedding. Sure, and it was working. Sure, because the U.S. was doing well, and it's a universal sport. And it well, <laughs> see, this is where we get into a problem, Smith. Uh huh. Because the U.S. is working really well. We were watching the game in a small square room. Yeah. And I was at the front of the room. Every time the U.S. scored, I uh, engaged in a high-five maneuver that I call the merry-go-round, where I just stuck my <laughs> hand out and spun around in a circle and slapped high-fives with everyone around me. Solid. And that was fun. Everybody's like, the U.S. is winning. Sam's a fun guy. Right. Do you like how I've made this personal to me? Sure. And made it all about me? Well, that's what sports are. <laughs> And then Portugal ties the game in the last seven seconds. Yes. And then everyone's really sad. Yes. And I don't know how to express <laughs> any recrimination. <laughs> I don't know how to go back and analyze what took place. Ah. I just know that the energy that I was profiting from socially right. Suddenly is gone. just evaporated. I'm not sure you've given this the gravitas it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give this two rankings. Okay. The first ranking is 
the moment when, despite the fact that Zach Britton is pitching at the game um, where I, in oh, no. in the ninth inning, oh no, uh, and has otherwise been a lockdown closer, mm. he manages to get the first two outs and then give up a series of base runners, a uh, uh, an RBI single to Brian McCann, and then a three run walk off home run to Carlos Beltran. Then having a Yankees fan just turn around and just scream in my face for 30 seconds. Times 10 <laughs> is my first ranking for the Portugal-USA game. I cannot imagine what your second ranking is going to be. My second ranking is going on Twitter and watching people react to an Adam Jones slider low and away strike three as if... Not only Adam Jones is not a good baseball player, but he personally punched their mother. <laughs> and I certainly have said some dirty words um, when Adam Jones struck out swinging to end a promising rally. I've heard you do it. Uh, and I like certainly have Sailor Smith <laughs> moments of frustration with his uh, uh, swing early, swing offense strategies. But the reality of the situation is Adam Jones is the leader of this ball club. And he is a very, very good baseball player. Mm. Now, Michael Bradley did not have a good first game against Ghana. Uh, he had a fantastic game against Portugal. He was he he did miss a wide open opportunity in front of the net uh, off a great defensive play, but he also was in command the way a offensive midfielder needs to be, and he ran. They can track this now more than anyone else on the field. And he distributed the ball everywhere. And he didn't get an assist on either goal, but he was instrumental in the lead-up to both of the U.S.'s scoring opportunities that they converted. He uh, neutralized a very talented Portugal midfield the entire game. And then he was exhausted and got bumped off the ball with about 30 seconds left, which resulted in the breakaway, which Ronaldo, in an act of both pure evil and incredible class, managed to land the ball directly on the head of the Portuguese striker. The rest is sadly history. But the reaction by many people who don't understand soccer has been to just castigate the fuck out of Michael Bradley. And it doesn't work. You cannot do that. It doesn't, it doesn't, have any bearing on how the game went, and it's a uniquely American thing to look at a player and blow them up for how they play in one, you know, uh, microcosm of a 95-minute game. Now, if you want to blame someone, you can easily blame Jeff Cameron, the defender who whiffed on the first ball to allow Portugal to score their first goal and then chose not to mark the striker in question who scored the second goal. He was bad in this game. Michael Bradley was not. And I find it extraordinarily frustrating that people who have just jumped on the U.S. men's national team bandwagon <laughs> in the last little while are suddenly experts enough to tell me that Michael Bradley is bad at soccer, which is just not true. Item number three on this week's franchise report, ladies and gentlemen, the United States Patent and Trade Office in a move that seems almost rudely timed to take place after we had released our episode for last week, <laughs> revoked the Washington Redskins team name trademark, meaning that while the Washington Redskins can still call themselves that horribly racist thing, 
uh, they are no longer allowed to say that they are the only ones who are allowed to refer to the Washington Redskins or indeed use the Washington Redskins logo on things. Meaning that what the Patent and Trade Office has done is to basically economically undercut the Washington professional football team um, in an attempt to make them change the name. Smith, this is a big moment. It is. What do you think? Um, I'm going to give this a bat boy who really understands the routine of um, someone like Ichiro Suzuki, who really gets the man's obsessive compulsive nature understands his relationship with his bat and handles that bat with the appropriate loving tender care now does this person go up and hit the next time that suzuki manages to to hit a double no but he put suzuki in a position through thoughtful hard work and through figuring out what he could do what he could bring to the table as a bat person, and he maximized his ability, and he did it the very best he could, and as a result, Suzuki got another hit. Too often, people look at social change, and they say to themselves, the thing that I will do does not matter all that much in the larger scale, because I do not have the power that I need to have to make social change. I am not the president, I am not a senator, I cannot do these things. I'm not Dan Snyder. I cannot do these things. Well, in fact, you can, uh, whatever you happen to be, even if that is a mid-level lawyer in the U.S. Often office of patents, <laughs> who uh, otherwise you would imagine has very little to do with something uh, which has become a hot-button issue in the, in the city of Washington, D.C., and in fact, around the country, uh, but in fact, looked deep into his own bag of uh, bureaucratic tricks and realized that there was a loophole and a clause that he could exploit. And with the help of uh, a woman, an activist, a Native American activist who pushed this through, was able to make a remarkably important public statement. I think it's a fantastic moment, even if it does not ultimately lead to the changing of the Washington Redskins team name, although it seems like I don't really know how much longer Dan Snyder can hold out on this. But I'm going to give it one Mitchell report. Uh, <laughs> because I think the value of the Mitchell report is that did it punish all of the right people for taking steroids? No, it, it, it lumped in people who tried it once and then never did it again with people who used it serially for years at a time. It lumped in people who used it to have great success with people who used it and never with David Segui, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> but uh, what it did is it kind of reified in the culture the idea that advanced, critical, very thorough minds took a long, hard look at this issue and found something that was very wrong with it mm -hmm. at a fundamental level and created official, exhaustively researched documentation about it and presented it for public consideration in such a way that we could never again talk about steroids without talking about the Mitchell Report. Yep. And the thing that is 
so great about what the Patent and Trade Office has done here is we can never again talk about the Washington Redskins team name without saying, well, the United States government looked at this and decided it was too racist to allow it to be trademarked. And not even... Not even the United States government that particularly moves with a political bone in its body. No. The United States Patent Office. I, a, an arm of the United States government that, let's be honest, a lot of us didn't know existed <laughs> before this this ruling was handed down. The importance of those things a lot of times outlasts the issue around which they come into being. Yep. And And that's what we have here. And I think, as I have said before at least, I think it's really important in those moments to pause and kind of marvel and be grateful for the capacity of humanity to evolve in the right direction despite the how easy it is to be mostly cynical about our ability to do that that is all we have for tonight's travis ishikawa franchise report but stay tuned because we're now going to take you to a live broadcast of a baseball game which is just getting underway between the afton oracles and their arch rivals the Modesto Moon Pirates, here on Baltimoreans. Hello, baseball fans. Vern Stetson here, and it's a beautiful day for baseball here at Prilosec Field. 82 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. It's the kind of afternoon that makes you want to strip down and climb into a jacuzzi with a bottle of Veuve Clicquot. Unfortunately, we'll have to settle for the rubber match in this three-game set between the Modesto Moon Pirates and your Afton Oracles. The Moon Pirates took game one behind seven strong innings from young Ernie Modesto, who is, of course, the son of Mayor Modesto. I'm joined, as always, behind the microphones today by my broadcast partner, Bill Slurve McIntosh. Slurve, the Oracle Bats just couldn't get anything going against Modesto's offerings, could they? So it would seem, Vern. Um, on the other hand, the consensus seems to be that Ernie's a top prospect. Game two, of course, saw the Oracles come from behind, and who doesn't love to do that? When second baseman... Vern, you really gotta be careful with those. Uh, we get letters. Now don't be silly, partner. I was merely referring to the thrill that every baseball team feels when they're able to rally for a victory in the late innings. As I was saying, second baseman Willie Bean got things started in the seventh, tripling to the left center field gap to score Oracle catcher Gus Butkus and shortstop Harrison Harlow, both of whom had reached on walks and advanced into scoring position on a wild pitch from Moon Pirates hurler Tim Trussell. Well, Vern, there's a lot of killers in this world, and walks are one of them. Spoken like a man who recently brokered a peace treaty between North and South Korea, which, for folks that weren't aware, is something Slurve did this week. Well... Uh, a significant amount of credit does go to my fellow members of the Anti-Tyranny Task Force of the International Brotherhood of Broadcasters for Justice, but yes, that's why I have not been in the booth for the last couple of ballgames. You know, folks, a lot of you might think a slurve in me is just a couple guys who like to drink beer and talk baseball, but the fact is we both have very rich lives beyond the broadcast booth. I actually almost didn't make it to Tuesday night's game because I had to plug a leak in my houseboat. Yep, you gotta move fast with those. Uh, once the hull of most consumer vessels has been breached, it's only a matter of hours before you sink. Also, Vern, uh, the producer just passed me a note which says, you can't have beer in here. Not saying I do, Slurve. Not saying I do. Of course, I've got to make sure I drink something. My throat's a bit parched from having to fly solo here the last couple nights. Ah, 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 ah. On the other hand, that could be a result of all that singing with my band, the Vernal Equinox, which has been learning an exciting variety of new songs and is an affordable way to guarantee a great time at your next wedding, bar mitzvah, or corporate event. But before I tell you more about that, let's take a look at tonight's pitching matchup for Game 3. 
in which the Moon Pirates will go with Swedish fireballer Julio Gonzalez, and the Oracles will counter with the offerings of their ace, Hiroki O'Malley. Uh, O'Malley's been working to refine his splitter, so we should be seeing a heavy dose of that this evening. And speaking of a heavy dose... Vern, uh, don't. I wasn't gonna. And speaking of a heavy dose, we've got a generous crowd on hand here. Kind of reminds me of the last key party I had on the houseboat. Maybe we should just go to break. Good point. I need a drink. You're listening to Oracle's Baseball on WALT. We'll be back after this. Uh, hi, folks. Uh, it's Sam and Alan back with you here at Hootenanny Studios. We uh, we appear to have lost the WALT feed. I'm just getting um, I'm just getting a message here over the over the Hootenanny Studios telegraph machine that says, uh, "Oh, it looks like WALT has been cited with an FCC violation. Huh? Something about on-air alcohol consumption." Well. Um don't worry, Baltimoreans. We'll see if we can get them back. If uh, we'll do some more live look-ins to that game, if we can, if we can find the feed again, we'll do some more live look-ins to that game later on on Baltimoreans. If you're not allowed to broadcast while drinking alcohol, then I think I think we're in trouble. We're so, in some serious trouble. We're 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 ankle deep. To say nothing of the bird's eye view, boys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think they've broadcasted without alcohol since I've been paying attention. I guess every so often their drink of the week is a large cup of water. <laughs> Well, that is all we have for you this week, Baltimoreans. Uh, we are going to, um, well, before we get to that, actually, there was one other thing I wanted to mention, Sam, which is, as, 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 you, may, as you may know, Baltimoreans, I've talked about this a few times on the show, I've been doing a lot of planting recently. Mm. I've been, uh, have some kale and some arugula, some tomatoes, some lettuces, don't, all growing. Don't, don't bury the lead, Smith. You have a banana tree. I also have a banana. Growing in your bedroom. Right. I have, so, you know, it's not, I don't live in a large Brooklyn apartment, but I've converted a lot of it over to, to uh, plant growth. That is not a euphemism, by the way. Nope. That you have a banana tree growing in your bedroom. It's actually, want to make a, that clear. It's, it's actually a grove of banana trees, <laughs> technically speaking. <laughs> but no, it's not a euphemism at all. But one of the downsides of uh, the heavy plant thing is that I have ants. Mm. Not a ton of ants, but an occasional, a couple of ants will make it in on some soil and We'll have a little infestation problem. Mom's sisters or dad's sisters? <laughs> oh, I, I, sorry. I see what you're saying. So I uh, recently so recently I was mopping, and I turned over the rug, and there were a bunch of ants that were, were under the rug. They, they had a little colony thing going, a little pile of dirt under there. Sure. But what had actually happened is it appeared as though all the ants had committed an act of mass suicide. Oh, my goodness. Because they were all dead. But they were laying there, and they were spelling out a message. All the ants' corpses underneath this, this, uh, this, this, this. I know it was it was really creepy. So the when I I, pull, I pulled back the the rug and I disturbed the ants a little bit, but I think I was able to translate it. And and mostly I got it all written down here. I think we have another episode of Where in the World Is Intern Scott Diego? My goodness, he's getting trickier and trickier. He, it's it's. It's it's a little bit like he's putting more effort into his means of delivery of these messages than he is into their actual content. That certainly holds true this week. Well, I I don't know yet what he said, so please please tell me. Well, intern Scotty writes to us from Winnipeg, Canada. 
uh, and he wants to let us know that for the last two weeks, and I guess somehow he's including this week that we're recording right now, uh, that we've been talking too much about soccer on the program. So. Huh. He says this is a baseball podcast, and uh, the, the, the back-to-back references to soccer over the last two weeks has really not been working out for Scotty. Well, okay. I I'm mean, not sure that's a fact, exactly. Well, I, yeah, it, it's not a fact. I, I mean, it's a, it's a subjective opinion, sure. which the terms of Scotty's internship clearly state he is not allowed to have. That's true. That's true. We do have him only as a fact checker. Secondly, if Scotty doesn't like the non-baseball content on these last two episodes of Baltimoreans, he is going to hate next week's episode. Oh, yeah? What are we doing next week? Uh, well, next week's episode is not going to exist. Oh, right. That. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you will indulge us, uh, but uh, I am going to be out of town next week and pretty much off the old grid. And in the past, when that has been the case, Alan and I have found ways of recording via uh, Amtrak train to secret conference room at my office and <laughs> other such memorable episodes of Baltimoreans, which you probably skipped due to poor sound quality. Uh, but next week, there's just really not going to be any feasible way to record the show. We go in dark. So we're taking a week off. We hope you will, will forgive us. We also figure that all of you guys are going to be out barbecuing with your friends, family, and loved ones in celebration of the independence of our great nation. So... You know, why would you want to waste that time listening to us talk? Yeah, I mean, and frankly, uh, it, it was it was looking like we were going to have our seminal, centennial, 100th episode in a way where we were just going to half-ass it. And that didn't seem right. That is not, if, if there is anything that I know about this show, we never half-ass anything. <laughs> and that is why, ladies and gentlemen, we want to make sure that we bring you a premium 100th episode the week after next week that befits your expectations for the sterling level of audio and content quality that you expect from the Baltimoreans. I was going more with the, uh, we were going to make a big change and not half-ass one of our 100 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like what you said more. That's, uh, that's better. There's kind of shifting amounts of deprecation happening here, and I'm I'm in danger of losing track. So we'll just say we should uh, just call it there. <laughs> please enjoy. Uh, you have next Thursday off. There will be no new Baltimoreans episode, as as is the custom. Uh, please do something valuable with that roughly 45 minutes of your time. Go um, volunteer. I would say maybe go uh, go go carry an old lady's groceries home for her. If you can, I would actually say uh, figure out which members of the United States Senate are in favor of maintaining net neutrality and give them a call and let them know that's a good idea. Because that's also a good idea. If that if the if the proposed changes to FCC regulations go through and there's a fast lane and a slow lane on the internet, <laughs> uh, shows brother, like, we are in the slow lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all probably all of your favorite independently produced podcasts all of a sudden are going to get a lot more annoying and difficult to listen to unless the people who create those podcasts uh, are somehow able to pay for better internet bandwidth. And I'm here to tell you, we can't afford that. <laughs> In fact, I've just received a message that we are overdue on our 
uh, media hosting bill. Also, so, the, the telegraph we received earlier in the episode, not cheap. <laughs> Nor is Ernie, who operates the telegraph machine. Right. We have to keep him on full-time retainer. He's union. I, I, it, it's just the way it is. Which, by the way, I also believe in. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of union busting, the music we used on this show. <laughs> all due apologies to the Songwriters Guild of America. That's not what it's called. We used the music of Marshall York for our theme song. We used the music of Town Hall working for another song. We used the music of Weather Report. The song is Birdland. We used the music of Fish, Sample in a Jar. And right here on the outro. We also used uh, 99 Red Balloons. Oh, we did. That's yeah. right. And even made reference to the fact that it was happening. Yep. And yet I still forgot. Well, that's all right. I'm not good at this part of the show. <laughs> we also uh, would have used entirely uh, original music written and performed by Dean Eastlake for Baltimoreans if Dean Eastlake had gotten around to writing and performing said music. If Dean Eastlake would get off his keister <laughs> and stop having a loving and committed marriage, brewing <laughs> brewing what is probably very good beer, and recording all those Oriole Spastics episodes that I can't, I can't even keep up with all of them. Right. There's, There's so many. There. There's a lot there. Uh, and write us a theme song you know, maybe we would consider him... I mean, Ernie's not going to be around forever. We're going to need a new telegraph operator one day. There's a bone to throw. Ernie is an old man. <laughs> He's also giving us a stink eye. <laughs> it's not just the eye that stinks. <laughs> oh! All right. Is there anything else we have to say? <laughs> well, you were going to tell us what music we're listening to right now. We oh. probably made it mostly most of the way through the track. This is uh, Kicking My Heart Around by the Black Crows. So, Sam. Yes, sir. What do you call Henry Urudia when he is charged for aiding and abetting an armed robbery that he didn't actually hold the gun or drive the escape car, but was instrumental in the uh, eventual success? Oh, I got it. I got, uh, you call him the patsy. Uh, you call him the accomplice. You call him the, 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 the guy behind the scenes. You call him the number two, Hen number two Rudia? No. I was going with Henry in cahoots Rudia. <laughs> in cahoot Rudia. In Excellent. <laughs> Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com.